0: Hey there, I am Dr. Jerry Crete, and this is Be With The Word. This is my weekly podcast where I reflect on the Sunday readings. This is episode 59, and the Sunday that's coming up is the Epiphany of the Lord. All right, I'm really excited to talk about this. I'm going to be talking about Herod in particular. If you would like, and you haven't already, you should probably read these readings in advance or you can go over to Hear the Word, my sister podcast, where I do read them out loud but I also do a guided meditation on Hear the Word and the one that's this week, episode 59 of Hear the Word, is one where I do an EMDR resource called Lightstream and I bring a Catholic approach to it. So I you know, I think I have a, a, a more positive way of looking at it inviting God into our hearts to transform and help us reduce anxiety. Okay, so that's here the word. What we're, so if you, if you haven't and you want to check that out. But right now today, I'm really excited to talk about, oh, these Sunday readings. And I'm really looking here at what it means to live in truth and what it means to adore God and why we would want to do it. And I'm going to make some connections here and I'm going to bring in some, maybe some silly personal examples that are occurring to me, but also some theology a little bit, um, that I get from my Eastern Catholic tradition. So I've been uh, reflecting on all this. So, okay. So let me just launch into it then. Um, I was fascinated with these readings. First of all, in Isaiah, we have all this emphasis on light. And it really is about epiphany. And epi- an epiphany is where God is revealed in a powerful way. And in a lot of the examples, and I think all of the examples, in the Old and the New Testament, where God reveals himself, there's usually some kind of light. Like the burning bush is an epiphany where God is reveals himself to Moses. But the more powerful ones we know of, uh, are the baptism of the Lord right and God appears and the transfiguration where certainly we see Christ's true nature and light appears and so on and of course the resurrection um, and here at this time of year we have the magi showing up and recognizing in the baby of Jesus the baby Jesus God himself so it is an it is often called the epiphany um all right so so we have in isaiah then this reading that focuses on the light of god and bringing radiance to mankind right okay and then we have this interesting character of herod and herod um actually calls the magi in right and asks them where and what and to find out where jesus is and to go and they end up following the star right they see the star and they they meet jesus they give him homage but instead of going back and telling herod like they're supposed to they go home a new way a different way to avoid him okay so i'm really fascinated right because we know that herod wants to kill jesus because he wants to he doesn't want any threat to his uh his royalty to his monarchy and so on so that's interesting to me, and I and I know. Hopefully, most of us are not homicidal, and most of us are not um, going, you know, doing extreme behaviors like that to maintain our power. But we often have motives that aren't excellent, right? We sometimes have to examine our own motives and examine why we do the things we do, and whether or not we're actually harming someone else. In the process. And you know, it's so funny, and if you know me at all, and, and, and you know, I, I, I sometimes kind of hold back in this show because I'm trying to focus on psychology, I'm trying to focus on on the uh, readings themselves and faith, but I'm a super geek. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, you can sometimes see in the background, I've got Lord of the Rings up, and I... I, I like superheroes. I like old movies and Star Wars and all this kind of thing. So I have recently seen this new Wonder Woman movie. So it's the second Wonder Woman movie that came out and they had it come out stream. They were able to stream it and in theaters. And so I did get a chance to see this movie uh, and a lot of people are kind of finding it not as exciting or as interesting or well done as previous the previous Wonder Woman movie. All right. so. Aside from what, you know, if, if you like superheroes like I do and you're into it, that's great. If you don't, just try to follow along um, a little bit, to my point. And if you haven't seen the movie and you want to, I'm going to give away a little bit, but I'm not really going to give away much um, to, to just be careful. So a little spoiler alert here, but I'm going to keep it really light. The premise of the movie is about having your wishes granted. Right, and that there's the villain is able to grant wishes. But whenever a wish comes, it comes with a negative factor. It comes with um some kind of loss that one doesn't expect. And so uh it's likened to the monkey's paw. In fact, they even use they even refer to the monkey's paw that you grant a wish to the monkey's paw, and whatever it is you wish for you'll get but something bad will also happen, right? And so it really forces us to think about why do we wish for things? Why do we want to go outside of even truth or go outside of our natures to get what we want, regardless sometimes of the cost or that we thought about it. And so in this case, in this Wonder Woman movie, she gets what she wants in her wish, but it comes at a cost where she loses her own powers. And also it has a negative effect on others. And so she ends up having to choose love. All right, so for a secular movie, I didn't think that was bad. I thought they did a good job of that. And I'm trying not to give way too much. But the point here is in this case, we have Herod right, in the Gospels where he wants to do something to preserve his own power and preserve his own status to get what he wants that will have ultimately a really negative consequence on other people. All right, so really wanna reflect on that. And I think that a king, for example, um, is obviously kind of a special case in some ways because he's you know, he's got power and everything else, and there's probably threats to his power he wants to contain. And so he probably learned early on in his life that he has to hold it. He has to maintain it. He has to fight off threats. And being good at fighting off threats allows him to stay, in his mind, at least safe and to, to, to maintain at least the status quo, if not to grow his power. Okay. How can we make that apply to us in our lives? Right. I'm curious, like if we can think about something in our lives where we have, um, that is, has some kind of negative effect on others and maybe we don't always see it. So we have to think a little bit here, but it may be something that we learned early on. Okay. So I'm going to throw out some examples. You know, I don't have an audience with me to, to draw from. So I'm just going to come up with things. And and I'm hoping as you're listening to me, you'll maybe even come up with your own. Um, but one way to that you can learn right early on is to snap back like even sarcasm, right? And that was one that I've sometimes have been guilty of, right? Is you learn that if other people are going to be unkind. I have to be kind of sarcastic back to protect myself, right? So I start using sarcasm to protect me from other people's negativity, right? Or even if it may even be just a perceived or a preemptive negativity. But we get sarcastic. That could be one example. Another way that one could could be uh, could be adapting negatively would be. Um, you know, thinking I have to meet my needs before other people's needs, right? So I don't can think of something small like manners, right? Like when I'm driving or I'm in the grocery store, do I let other people in? Or do I have a built-in mechanism that says, ah, uh, if I let somebody else in, I am not possibly gonna have my needs met. And if I stop for a moment and think, when did that happen in my life? When in my life did I not have my needs met? Where I felt I learned early on I have to fight or I have to be quick and grabby or, or a snap sharp with my words and my language or you know to protect me. Okay and so in that case I'm really kind of being like a Herod. It may not have the gravity of what Herod did, but it's self-protective, right? And so what do I now have to do as I reflect on that? I think the first step is to say, there was a time I learned this behavior, all right? Maybe it was fighting with my siblings, or maybe it had to do with my parents. It may have started in the family. may have started something I've learned in school, or with my friends. Wherever it started, to recognize it was an adaptation. It was an answer to a problem at one time in my life. And now I continue to do it. And maybe I'm now doing it without regard for how others are affected by it. Okay, and so now I'm stopping to think, what is the antidote for that, right? Do I still need to be sharp-tongued or greedy or self-focused or whatever it is, right? Whatever it is we came up with. And so, because we all have our little vices, (laughs) I think, uh, to different degrees. And I think the answer here and the message that we get is that uh, in the Gospels and for this Feast of the Epiphany is the light of Christ. Because here's the thing, and this is where I draw a little bit of Eastern theology and I draw it into this whole view. There's a term in the East called theoria. So I, I believe a Greek term. And it means the vision of uncreated light or the vision of Christ's light. Okay, and so when we enter into that, when we, in order perhaps to enter into that, we need some repentance and purification. I like to approach repentance and purification a little bit from a softer but I think more effective way than simply saying you're sinful and that's bad and you need to change your ways, right? I like to look at it from that adaptive model that I was referring to. So in other words, I am going to say, okay, I learned to adapt negatively at one time. And now as I've gotten older, as I've matured, I've recognized it's maladaptive in lots of ways. Actually harming others and really not letting me grow or become uh, holier or more sanctified in my own life. All right, so I have to start by appearance, uh, a, a moment of repentance that says, okay, I get it. This behavior started somewhere for a reason, but it's not helping me now. Okay, and then I'm recognizing that although I'm created in God's image, I'm not really living out his likeness. Okay, and so how can I get to a place where that I where change happens? And I think an important first step is recognizing that I have a natural adaptation, and we all do because of the fall, to be focused on self. And that creates some anxiety that causes us to overthink and overworry and be preoccupied with our own self-interest. And therefore, we have attachments to things, whether it's words, whether it's behaviors, whether it's um, people, things. We have attachments to things to help us manage this whole process of uh, 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 of. of overthinking and of self-love and be maintain that and so what we're doing with this light this coming before God's light is we're saying I'm going to enter into communion with you Lord and we ha- only way to do that is to let go of our attachments say that hey I understand why you're attached I understand why I've become attached to them. but I'm recognizing that it's going to prevent me from entering into union and communion with God, right? And so I'm going to, with my whole body, um, all of my senses, in fact, and through that deep breath, taking a deep breath and relaxing and allowing him to come in and saying, I know it's hard, but I'm going to allow those things to fall away. I'm just gonna come into his presence and I'm gonna allow him to love me as I am. And I'm going to gain a new awareness as I look back on those behaviors, those words, those things that were in fact self-protective and realize, hmm, I don't need them anymore. Hmm. And I'm hoping that in this process, you will be like we see in those, in those readings. I mean, in those readings in Isaiah, it says, rise up in splendor, Jerusalem, because your light has come. There was a darkness that covered the earth. And now the Lord shines. And I think then what happens is we're coming like the Magi, we come to Christ and we give him our gifts, right? And we know that those are beautiful gifts, right? Frankincense, myrrh, gold, whatever, those are really good things, but we're letting go of things when we give, right? And then it says in Isaiah, your heart shall throb and overflow. You shall be radiant, you know? There's a a new kind of wealth and riches that come when we're unburdened. It's beautiful, really. And so we're being called to worship. And I think that it doesn't always compute that when we truly worship God, we're detaching from the things that hold us down. Okay. And we're becoming truly attached in a safe way with God. And I think when we achieve that, then it becomes easier to have healthier attachments with other people. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed. I know today is a little shorter and I think that's probably okay. And I put a lot more into the meditation. I think the light stream meditation will help you put into practice some of what I was talking about today, really allowing that light to fill us up and let go of our anxieties and our worries. So I hope you join me over there if you haven't already. Uh, Again, I hope you join me on soulsandhearts.com. I'm excited to have my family. A lot of uh, my kids are all in town. And so probably another reason why I'm a little shorter because I'm looking forward to getting back to them and enjoying this holiday time. So I really am wishing you, if you're listening to this right before the New Year's or right after, have a blessed New Year's. We're all excited about 2021, hopefully being... Uh, A good positive year. Let's invite the Lord and His light into that year of 2021, and we'll all be here. We'll be here at Souls and Hearts with you through that journey. All right, until next time, be still.